Welcome everyone to part two of my letter M journey through the A to Z of musicals. And as I stated last time, there are so many creatives and performers and shows and musical films beginning with the letter M that I couldn't possibly fit it all into one podcast. So let's get started with my first musical icon beginning with the letter M, Liza Minnelli. Liza May Minnelli, born the 12th of March, 1946. Daughter of the legendary Judy Garland. And her father was the famous director, Vincent Minnelli. And here's a case of a person who genuinely has lived their life in and around musicals, musical films, musical performances. At the age of only three, she made her first appearance on screen. Liza Minnelli, at the very end of the 1949 MGM musical in the good old summertime, and she appears with her real mum, Judy Garland, and actor Van Johnson for just seconds before the credits start to roll. But it was um, an indication, really, of the life that she was going to be destined to live. Um, a world full of performance and music. And she did just that. She, she had roles in Flower Drum Song in 1961, and made her professional stage debut in the off-Broadway revival of Best Foot Forward in 1963, followed by a performance on the stage at the London Palladium with her mum when Judy Garland uh, did some special shows at the Palladium in London. Uh, but it was 1965 when, as a 19-year-old, she made her big Broadway debut, if you like, in Flora the Red Menace, with music and lyrics by John Kander and Fred Ebb. And this was the beginning of a lifelong collaboration between the three of them. And I talk about Kander and Ebb in my Letter K podcast. So if you're interested... There's quite a lot more information there. And uh, Liza Minnelli won her first Tony Award for this performance, which is uh, a completely incredible achievement at age only 19. She followed this with uh, a tour of the United States in the pyjama game. And uh, she also did lots of performances in nightclubs, and recording albums and even TV appearances um, over the 1960s. She, she appeared in her mum's TV show as well, The Judy Garland Show. Uh, Liza Minnelli made uh, a number of films, including Charlie Bubbles and The Sterile Cuckoo. In fact, for The Sterile Cuckoo in 1969, she was a, a nominated for an Academy Award. So there was a, an indication early on of what an amazing talent she has. Sadly, her mum, Judy Garland, died only age 49 in 1969. Liza was 23 years old, and this obviously would have an impact for the rest of her life. And one of the sad things that came from that is that she... Um, did develop uh, a liking for prescription drugs and alcohol, similar to her mum. But in 1972, she gave the performance of her life as Sally Bowles in the now famous film adaptation of Cabaret. Again, Kander and Ebb's brilliant score... Uh, she won an Academy Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role. And even now when I watch this film, I'm blown away by her amazing performance. That was a good year, 1972, for her, because following that, she worked again with Kendra Neb and, of course, the director of Cabaret, Bob Fosse, 
on a special TV show called Liza with a Z. And this show won an Emmy Award for um, Best TV Show. So she was making huge strides and great successes. Followed, though, by a heap of not-so-great films. Um, 1977, New York, New York, where we have that famous song. And 1991, a film that I actually really like, Stepping Out, based on the stage play. In 1977, Liza Minnelli returned to Broadway in another Kander and Ebb show, written really especially for her, about a fading film star who's trying to make a comeback. It was called The Act, and it ran for 233 performances, famously directed by Martin Scorsese. And in spite of the fact that during this, Liza Minnelli showed erratic behaviour, missed lots of performances... She won her second Tony Award for her performance in this show. And uh, sadly, though, her behaviour kind of has echoes of her mum towards the end of her career as well. Uh, Liza Minnelli made the film Arthur in 1981. And then she went on to star in the next Candranep show, the Rink. This opened on the 9th of February 1984 uh, on Broadway and ran for 204 performances. It received mostly negative reviews in spite of the fact that it has the amazing Liza Minnelli and Cheetah Rivera starring in this. And uh, sadly, Liza Minnelli had to leave this production to enter the Betty Ford Clinic due to her um, alcohol issues. She was replaced by Stockard Channing. So as we move towards the later years in her career, Liza Minnelli performed a number of one-woman shows, famously Minnelli on Minnelli and Liza at the Palace. She also recorded Losing My Mind with the wonderful Pet Shop Boys and actually she performed live at the Grammy Awards and in 1991 the Grammy Legend Award which made her at that point an EGOT winner. She has been successful in winning Emmys, Grammys, Oscars and Tony Awards. Uh, in 1997 she took over from Julie Andrews, who was taking a break from Victor Victoria on Broadway as well. So, as I said, her life and career have been musicals throughout. And so, Liza Minnelli, I think it's absolutely fair to say that she is a musical theatre and musical movie legend. Okay, so my first musical beginning with the letter M in my opinion is an absolute masterpiece and this is Stephen Sondheim's Merrily We Roll Along and this was his sixth collaboration with Hal Prince. They did actually have one more in 2003 with a show called Bounce which wasn't a success at all and didn't actually make it to Broadway. But they worked for 11 years on those first five and then Marilee productions, including Follies and Company, A Little Night Music, Pacific Overtures and Sweeney Todd. Uh, a brilliant collaboration. Stephen Sondheim had raised the bar, if you like, for the entire generation of musical theatre composers and lovers uh, with these amazing shows and so I suppose the bar was set very high expectations were very high um, and sadly Merrily We Roll Along was arguably the biggest critical and commercial failure of Stephen Sondheim's career certainly at that point 
it's tragic really that that's the case because for me I think this is really my favourite Stephen Sondheim show and score. It's just beautiful. The orchestrations alone by the incredible Jonathan Tunick, probably at his most brassy and Broadway in parts. Um, the show, for me, really works beautifully and is poignant and sad and heartbreaking. The show begins at the end and works backwards uh, and makes it all the more sad really when we see the hope and the aspiration and and the potential of these three friends, Franklin Shepherd, Charlie Kringus and Mary Flynn, the three friends who are the central characters of this story. And it's based on a 1934 play by George S. Kaufman and Moss Hart, with the same name actually, Merrily We Roll Along. Uh, George S. Kaufman was known as one of the greatest playwrights of the 20th century. Uh, he co-wrote, incidentally, and staged the musical satire of The I Sing in 1931. So... Expectations were high for Merrily We Roll Along. It had a long period of previews and then opened on Broadway on the 16th of November 1981 and ran famously for only 16 performances. There were a lot of negative reviews, not all of them, um, but this show failed spectacularly uh, whilst really deserving the opposite reaction. The costumes were unattractive, the set looked horrible, the score was beautiful and sublime. Interestingly, this show was uh, opened on Broadway in 1981, the same year as Andrew Lloyd Webber's Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And if you try and look and think about those two shows and how massively different they are. Um, for me, Merrily We Roll Along is a, a work of art. Uh, the original cast was made up of a lot of young, inexperienced performers. Um, Anne Morrison as Mary Flynn, Jim Walton and Geoffrey Horn as Franklin Shepherd because they had an older Franklin as well as the younger one and Lonnie Price as Charlie Kringus. Also in that cast were the wonderful Jason Alexander and the fabulous Liz Calloway and there is an original cast recording which is amazing to think now if a show closed after 16 performances now there's no way they'd get a cast recording and they recorded it just a matter of days I think after the show had closed so that must have been a really tough job for those performers to sing that show, knowing that they weren't going to go back and perform it. Since the opening on Broadway of Merrily We Roll Along, there have been a lot of productions and revivals, including the UK premiere in January of 1984 at the Library Theatre in Manchester, and this starred the absolutely phenomenal Tracy Bennett, who I talk about in my Letter B podcast. And she was joined by Michael Cantwell as Frank and Martin George as Charlie. And Tracy won the Best Actress Award from the Manchester Evening News that year for her performance. Michael Cantwell um, reprised the role, actually, of Frank in the 1992 production at the Haymarket in Leicester, along with Evan Pappas and the wonderful Maria Friedman. And there is um, an excellent cast recording of that production released in 1994. It wasn't until uh, December of 2000 that Marily We Roll Along had its official West End premiere and that was uh, directed by the wonderful and talented Michael Grandage. 
performed at the Don McMahon Warehouse with Daniel Evans as Charlie, Julian Ovenden as Franklin Shepherd, and Samantha Spiro as Mary. And this production won three Olivier Awards in um, Best Musical, Best Actor for Daniel Evans, and Best Actress for Samantha Spiro. The other two productions I'm going to just quickly mention were the February 2012 Encores production at the New York City Centre, which had a limited run starring Lin-Manuel Miranda as Charlie Kringus, Colin Donnell as Franklin and Celia Keenan-Bolger as Mary Flynn. And this was an absolutely brilliant uh, well, there is a brilliant recording of this and uh, actually Jonathan Tunick, the original orchestrator, revisited the show in its entirety for this production. And the final production I want to mention was the Menier Chocolate Factory revival opening on the 28th of November 2012 directed by Maria Friedman, who'd been in that Haymarket Leicester production in 1992. And this was just phenomenal. This was the first time I ever saw the show and I saw it at the Menier and then it transferred to the Harold Pinter Theatre in the West End and I saw the show a number of times again with uh, an absolutely flawless cast. Mark Umbers, Damien Humbley, Jenna Russell, jo uh, Josephina Gabrielle, Claire Foster, Glyn Kerslake, just incredible. And uh, I really wish there was a recording of this. There is a filmed version of this that you can access through digital theatre. And I do actually watch that every now and then. And my final mention for Merrily We Roll Along is the film adaptation which is underway at the moment and is to be filmed over a long period of time, over a decade plus, um, starring Ben Platt, Blake Jenner and Beanie Fields Feldstein. And the idea being that we will see these characters grow older in real time or they will be filmed in real time as well. So I really look forward to seeing that. Now, it was quite something in 1957 when the new musical, The Music Man, opened to rave reviews and was a triumph. And that's mainly because the composer and lyricist and librettist were all Meredith Wilson and he had never written a musical before. And the main lead actor was Robert Preston, who had never done a musical before, and in fact, people didn't even know if he could sing. And yet, the show was a massive success, bursting with great tunes, a huge crowd pleaser, and it ran, in fact, for 1,375 performances, in spite of Meredith Wilson taking six years to write dozens of drafts before the final version. In fact, The Music Man has become one of Broadway's best-loved musicals. This original production, with Robert Preston as the con artist, Professor Harold Hill, and the gorgeous soprano, Barbara Cook, as the very moral Marion Peru, the librarian, and a whole cast of unforgettable and vibrant River City characters, including Winthrop Peru, Marcellus, the pompous Mayor Shin and his affected wife, Mrs. Eulalie McKechnie Shin. Uh, just wonderful characters, and it really is a, a, a fabulous show. And the show was uh, made into a film in 1962, of course, again with Robert Preston reprising the role and still bursting with charisma in this performance. This time, Shirley Jones plays Marion Peru, and the 
the, the film is full of these wonderful songs. Of course, 76 trombones, Till There Was You, Trouble, just amazing. The film and the original Broadway production were directed by Morton da Costa with choreography in both by Anna White. There have been numerous revivals, including a disastrous one, actually, in 1980, where... Dick Van Dyke was miscast as Professor Harold Hill. There was a really uh, successful production, of course, in 2000 with Craig Bierko as Professor Hill and the wonderful Rebecca Luca, who was deemed a luminous Marion Peru. There was a disappointing 2003 made-for-TV version with Matthew Broderick and Kristen Chenoweth. And we're all now awaiting the opening on Broadway, hopefully in 2021, of the new revival of The Music Man with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. Let's wait and see how that does. But The Music Man, an absolute classic. And so my next musical icon is the gorgeous Marilyn Monroe, a major icon of popular culture. And so much has been said about her that I'm only really going to talk about her musical performances, of which there were a significant number. Of course, she was famous for her modelling and for her comedic blonde bombshell characters and the films that she made with Columbia Pictures and 20th Century Fox, including, of course, All About Eve in 1950. But it was 1953 when the audience first really got to hear her sing in the wonderful film adaptation of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And this is based on the novel by Anita Luz, which was made into a Broadway musical. And I talk about this back in my letter C when I talk about Carol Channing, because Gentlemen Prefer Blondes introduced the world to the fabulous Carol Channing in 1949, where she played Lorelei Lee. And this is the part that Marilyn Monroe plays in the film adaptation alongside Jane Russell. And we get to hear... Uh, Marilyn sing and dance and perform and it's just a joy. One of the most famous scenes and songs from that film of course has to be Diamonds Are A Girl's Best Friend and the sequence is stunning. Uh, Carol Channing recorded the song obviously for the original production and interestingly recorded it again in 1974 for the musical Lorelei, which was a revised version of this show. The song was written by Julie Stein, the composer, and Leo Robin, the lyricist. And famously, uh, Marilyn Monroe sang all of her own songs, although... Um, Marnie Nixon, the ghostwriter famous for dubbing Deborah Carr in The King and I and Natalie Wood in West Side Story, apparently did one of the lines, dubbed one of the lines from Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend for Marilyn. And it's the line, these rocks don't lose their shape. And apparently she also did some of the higher notes for Marilyn Monroe, but this was the only time that anybody um, messed with her vocals. I think this is a great film. It's still so much fun to watch, and Marilyn Monroe absolutely dazzles. Uh, she also had in that year, 1953 was a busy year for Marilyn, with Niagara and How to Marry a Millionaire. Our next opportunity to hear Marilyn sing on screen came in 1954 in the film There's No Business Like Show Business. And interestingly, uh, just prior to this, Marilyn had been placed on suspension 
by 20th Century Fox because she'd refused to take the lead role in a film adaptation of The Girl in Pink Tights. Now, this was a show that was on Broadway actually earlier in 1954, but had only run for 115 performances and she didn't want to do it. Um, so after the suspension and she returned to 20th Century Fox, almost as a punishment, really, they gave her an ensemble role in There's No Business Like Show Business, along with Ethel Merman, Donald O'Connor, Mitzi Gaynor, Dan Daly and Johnny Ray, who all performed in this film together. Um, we do, of course, get to hear her sing the wonderful Irving Berlin song, Heat Wave, which is a great scene in the film. After that, Marilyn went on to make The Seven Year Itch in 1955, which was a huge box office success. And uh, in 56, Bus Stop, which includes her singing the song That Old Black Magic, written by Harold Arlen and Johnny Mercer. Uh, the Prince and the Showgirl in 1957 with Laurence Olivier. Uh, and then, of course, the hugely successful 1959 Billy Wilder film, Some Like It Hot. Whilst this film was not a musical, it has a whole bunch of songs in it. And Marilyn actually performs four of them. I'm Through With Love, Some Like It Hot the fabulous Running Wild, and the famous I Wanna Be Loved By You, which was written by Adolf Deutsch. This film is just gorgeous to watch, and whenever Marilyn is on screen, she absolutely shines. And in fact, she won a Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Motion Picture. And I'm so pleased that she did, because it's a gorgeous performance. Just as an aside, uh, Some Like It Hot has been adapted for stage as a musical a number of times. In 1974, there was a version called Sugar. In 1991, Tommy Steele performed in London at the Palladium. And there is a new version currently being written by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, who brought us Hairspray. Definitely worth going going back to watch this film. It's a film that I, I watch time and time again and I'm never disappointed. And so in 1960, Marilyn made her last musical film, which was Let's Make Love, the musical comedy directed by George Cukor, starring Yves Montand and Tony Randall. Music by Sammy Khan, and Jimmy Van Heusen. Not particularly well received though, to be fair, and Marilyn did later say that this was the worst role in her career. But we do get to see her sing the wonderful Cole Porter song, My Heart Belongs to Daddy. The final time we get to see and hear Marilyn Monroe singing was the famous Happy Birthday, Mr. President, when she sang to JFK on the 19th of May, 1962, less than three months before her death on the 4th of August, 1962, aged only 36. Marilyn Monroe. The letter M musicals just keep coming, don't they? But I do just want to mention the 1956 Broadway show, The Most Happy Fella. And this was written music and lyrics and book, all by Frank Lesser, who'd brought us, of course, the fabulous Guys and Dolls. And I do talk about that in more detail in my Letter G podcast, if you want to check that out. The Most Happy Fella was totally different from Guys and Dolls. It was kind of a, an adventurous mix of musical comedy and old-fashioned tale of love and dreams with operetta. And audiences liked it, actually. It ran for 676 performances. And 
in the original cast, Robert Weed, who was an actual opera singer, played the lead role of Tony, along with Joe Sullivan, who actually Frank Lesser later married the most happy fella. So it's definitely time to mention the Tony and Emmy Award winning Donna Murphy. Uh, born in New York, this American actress and singer has had an entire career of musical uh, experiences, including lots of off-Broadway productions such as Privates on Parade and Song of Singapore, Hello Again, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. She got her Broadway debut actually as an understudy to the backup singers in their playing Our Song in 1979. Uh, she performed in shows such as Little Shop of Horrors and The Human Comedy, which was a new musical in 1984, before her big success in the 1994 Broadway opening of Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine's Passion. And Donna Murphy gave an absolutely intense and dramatic portrayal of Fosca. This is such a, an incredible show and she apparently mesmerised the audiences. Uh, and this led to her first Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical, and deservedly so. And I've seen um, the filmed production of this. And the show also starred Marin Mazzi and had orchestrations by the wonderful Jonathan Tunick again. Donna Murphy won her second Tony Award in 1996, again for Best Actress in a Musical. Uh, she gave an elegant and distinctive performance as Anna Leon Owens, the English school teacher and governess uh, in The King and I Revival, alongside Lou Diamond Phillips as the King. And there is a really beautiful cast recording of this. There's also a fabulous cast recording of the 2003 production of Wonderful Town that she starred in on Broadway. She has uh, originated the role of Lottie Lenya, the legendary singer, in the 2007 musical Love Music, book by Alfred Uri and music from a selection by Kurt Vile. In 2007, Donna gave a, a wonderful rave-reviewed performance as Phyllis in the Encore's New York City Centre staged concert version of Follies. And she was nominated again for Tony in 2011 in The People in the Picture. Most recently, Donna Murphy has been the alternate Dolly Levi alongside Bette Midler in the 2017 revival on Broadway of Hello, Dolly. And I know that many people went to see her rather than seeing Bette Midler. And I can, I can imagine why she really is a fabulous performer. And she also has had a massive career in recent years in film and television, most notably from a musical point of view, in Disney's 2010 Tangled, the story of Rapunzel, where she performs as Mother Gothel. Short and brief, but definitely worth a mention, Donna Murphy. So my next musical theatre legend is the incredible Lin-Manuel Miranda, and his name has come up many times throughout these podcasts because he's linked with so many different musicals. Uh, in fact, I talk about In the Heights at length in the letter I, if you wanted more information. Lin-Manuel was born in New York with Puerto Rican descent and a, a Mexican grandparent as well. He is a singer, a composer, a lyricist, a director, an actor, a producer, an activist, 
uh, I'm sure I've missed plenty of things out. And he has been massively awarded and honoured during his um, musical career. In fact, he won the Pulitzer Prize for drama for Hamilton. He isn't yet an EGOT winner at time of recording this podcast. He doesn't have an Oscar, but I don't imagine it's going to take very long before that happens. So, In the Heights, um, which started out in 1999 when he was at college, ultimately making its way to Broadway in 2008. Uh, Freestyle Love Supreme, which was an improvised hip-hop musical comedy show. Uh, he worked on that during uh, the breaks from In the Heights. Lynn manuel is so talented and the rich variety of musical styles that we see in his work is incredible. Uh, we had Bring It On, the musical, which premiered in Georgia in January of 2011. This was co-written by Lin-Manuel, Tom Kitt and Amanda Green and is loosely based on the 2000 film all about cheerleading. And it did have actually a limited run on Broadway in July 2012 and was nominated for two Tony Awards. Uh, we had 21 Chump Street, the one-act musical by Lin-Manuel, which had a single performance in June of 2014, where he narrated the show. We know that Lin-Manuel has had TV and film appearances as well, but it was during his vacation, his holiday in 2008, that he read the Ron Chernow's biography of Alexander Hamilton. And of course, ultimately, that led to the off-Broadway premiere at the Public Theatre in January of 2015, and finally, the Broadway opening on the 6th of August 2015, directed by Thomas Cale. This show is phenomenal and I do appreciate that it's not everybody's cup of tea and musically it isn't for everyone. I did not like the music the first couple of times I heard it but actually I absolutely love it now and I will listen to it not just to listen to as a musical but just because of the incredible range and style of songs within this show. And Hamilton won the Tony Award for Best Musical and also Lin-Manuel uh, for Best Original Score and Best Book of a Musical. He was also actually nominated for Best Actor that year. From 2015, he began a series of collaborations with the Walt Disney Animation Studios and... This included collaboration on the songs for Moana in 2016, uh, for two Star Wars films, The Force Awakens and The Rise of Skywalker, uh, Lin-Manuel contributed music. He voiced a character in the Disney DuckTales series uh, in May 2018. And of course, in 2017, we had Mary Poppins Returns, where he stars as Jack the Lamplighter. He's so talented. Most recently, I've watched him in the BBC adaptation of Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials, and those are amazing episodes to watch. He's working on uh, The Little Mermaid Live at the moment, writing new songs with Alan Menken. He's uh, written 11 songs for the upcoming Vivo, with Sony Pictures, and he's having his film director debut with the film adaptation of Jonathan Larson's Tick, Tick, Boom, hopefully to be released later this year. He's a busy, busy man, and uh, he I'm so in admiration of him. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Now, in 1944... MGM released the movie musical 
Meet Me in St. Louis. This is such a wholesome, charming, family-centred story, really, set in 1903 in the small town of St. Louis in Missouri. And it starred, of course, the fantastic Judy Garland. But she was surrounded by great performers as the other members of the Smith family, including Lucille Bremer, Mary Astor, Leon Ames, and Tom Drake as the neighbour that Judy Garland falls in love with. And there are some really fantastic scenes directed by Vincent Minnelli. His use of colour in this film is really um, startling. And you, you watch the scene of the trolley song when all that colour around Judy Garland, she's in a black and white dress. And she really stands out because the colour is popping all around her. She gives a radiant performance as Esther Smith. The music was written by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine. Uh, quite a number of new songs, including The Boy Next Door, The Trolley Song, and of course, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which has become a Christmas classic around the world. Actually, the film of Meet Me in St. Louis always reminds me of the attraction at Walt Disney World, the Carousel of Progress. And those of you that have experienced that attraction will recognise the similarities with its focus on family values and nostalgia and wholesomeness. And it's a really lovely, feel-good attraction. And interestingly, it was first presented at the 1964 World's Fair in New York. And of course... The story of Meet Me in St. Louis is all about building up to the World's Fair in 1904, famously in St. Louis. Um, the Disney attraction was sponsored by General Electric with a famous song, There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, written by the Disney legends Richard M. and Robert B. Sherman. And this attraction holds the record as the longest running stage show on the American theatre stage. That's incredible, isn't it? The longest running of all stage shows is actually an attraction at Disney World. Meet Me in St. Louis has Margaret O'Brien as a seven-year-old child star Tutti, the character Turi, uh, and she won a juvenile Oscar in 1945. And I'm probably going to say something that will upset some people, but in my opinion, she's the worst thing about this film. She really irritates me. I just think she's not cute. She's annoying. And uh, if they could cut those scenes from the film it would be a far, far better film, in my opinion. Uh, in 1989, Broadway presented for the first time, so the film came first in this case, um, the stage production of Meet Me in St. Louis with book by Hugh Wheeler, songs again by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine. It didn't do too well. 252 performances... But the show wasn't a great success. Um, the cast was full of unknowns playing the younger characters with veterans, theatre veterans, such as Milo O'Shea and Betty Garrett as the maid, Katie, who, of course, was played by Marjorie Maine in the film brilliantly. And George Hearn was in this production. But it's the film that people love and remember. Meet me in St. Louis. Whenever I think of my next musical theatre star, I always think of the Stephen Sondheim song, Broadway Baby, because her performance in the 1989 concert, uh, Hey Mr Producer, celebrating the career of Cameron Mackintosh, was just phenomenal. So you should have guessed by now, I'm talking about the wonderful Julia McKenzie. 
uh, actress, singer, presenter and theatre director, star of film, stage and television. Julian McKenzie's career has been full of absolute musical theatre gems and her early West End credits include the 1966 Lionel Bart and Alan Owen musical, the hard-hitting and gritty story of life in Liverpool Dockland, Maggie May. She starred in the original West End production of Mame in 1969 with Ginger Rogers in the role of Mame. Julia McKenzie played the, the fabulous Gloria Upson character and uh, oh, I would have loved to have seen that. Um, she has performed in Promises Promises in 1971 in Company as April and the 1976 Sondheim Review side by side by Sondheim alongside the wonderful David Kernan, Millicent Martin and Ned Sharon. Side by side by Sondheim uh, was a review that premiered on the 4th of May 1976 and then transferred to the West End, first at the Wyndham Theatre and then at the Garrick, where it ran for 806 performances. And when the show moved to Broadway in 1977, where she made her Broadway debut, Julia McKenzie was nominated for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. And she's had a strong link with Sondheim throughout these years. In fact, she was a founding member of the Stephen Sondheim Society and is known as one of the definitive Sondheim interpreters. In 1982, Julia McKenzie won an Olivier Award for her performance as Miss Adelaide in the National Theatre famous production of Guys and Dolls, the revival. And she starred in films including the wonderful Shirley Valentine and Hotel du Lac. Uh, massive roles on television including Cranford, uh, I mentioned Fresh Fields and French Fields and Miss Marple of course. Um, and in 1987 she starred in the West End original production of Follies, originating the role of Sally Durant Plummer at the Shaftesbury Theatre. And uh, more Sondheim came. 1990, she starred as The Witch in the original West End production of Into the Woods at the Phoenix Theatre. And then she starred in the revival of Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, in 1993 as Mrs Lovett. And that won her her second Olivier Award. Uh, famously, in 1997, she recorded, along with John Barrowman and Maria Friedman and Arthur Lawrence as the narrator, they recorded... Anyone Can Whistle, the zany flop from Broadway that had closed after only eight days. Um, this was the complete recording and incredibly it has only just been released after all those years. So you can now hear uh, Julia and Maria and John singing the fabulous score really uh, yes, it is a bit crazy as a, a story, but there's some great music in there. Julia McKenzie is 80 years old at the time of recording this podcast and has been awarded the CBE by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. And I'm so pleased that she is recognised as the super talent that she is, Julia McKenzie. Uh, musical theatre star. Wow, so many letter M's. We've reached almost the end of the second part of this podcast and there are still, unbelievably, lots of shows that we haven't talked about, beginning with a letter M. 
we've not really mentioned My Fair Lady, although I did talk about it in detail when we looked at the letter L for learner and low, so feel free to go back and have a look. We didn't talk about My Favourite Year, the 1992 musical by Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens, uh, based on the 1982 comedy film. And in the cast of this stage production, we had Tim Curry and Evan Pappas and Andrea Martin making her uh, Broadway debut. We've not talked about Man of La Mancha, Me and My Girl, Mac and Mabel, Moulin Rouge, Mrs Henderson Presents, the 2015 West End show with Tracy Bennett, or Stephen Sondheim's 1981 review, Marry Me a Little, which I did manage to watch a really good streamed production from the Barn Theatre in Sirencester during lockdown. Uh, we haven't talked about the 1985 musical Mutiny with music by pop star David Essex, who'd made his uh, musical theatre debut back in 1971 in the West End production of Godspell. Uh, we haven't had time to talk about Metropolis, the 1989 musical, which saw the London debut of the fabulous Judy Judy Kuhn, and this was based on the 1927 silent movie. Uh, we haven't talked about the musical Me and My Dick from 2007, which, believe it or not, is exactly about what you think it's about. Um, or the 2017 musical adaptation of Muriel's Wedding, that phenomenal 1994 film. Oh my goodness me, letter M, you have exhausted me. But I hope everybody that you've enjoyed listening and uh, if you have, please feel free to leave me a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Until next time, have a Doris day.